Hi, I'm Shereen Batek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to executives who are changing the marketing playbook for the industry one decision at a time. At Gap Inc., the crown jewel is Athleta, the women's workout wear company is on its way to becoming a billion-dollar brand. And thanks to a new B Corp certification and increased focus on wellness, Athleta's values-driven marketing is getting a major boost. On this week's podcast, Sheila shaker Pollack, the CMO of Athleta, and I dive deep into the company's latest partnership with Well and Good that's turning the company's stores into wellness hubs. Also, we cover how she uses content and why she firmly believes that creative should be done in-house. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, Sheila. Welcome to Making Marketing. Thanks for having me. There's so much about the brand story of Athleta that we can dig into and we have plans to dig into all of it, but I figure we'll start with what the newest is. Um, And I know that you've had a busy day at one of your stores starting something really cool and new. Um, So tell us a little bit about what you did today and what that is going to mean for the next few months. Great. Yes. I'm super excited. We are launching the Wellness Collective. And so that is going to be a one-stop experience for our customers to really experience holistic wellness. So one of the things that we've learned is that as athletes ourselves and also our customers are very active, healthy uh, women and girls, um, that they've told us that they really, um, you know, their body is super important, but they also want more insights and insider information about their emotions emotional well-being and their mental well-being. So we are creating this um, holistic wellness experience with Well and Good, um, who's you know a leader in the wellness space. So we're very excited mm-hmm. to partner with them on this. And it's going to come to life not just in our stores um, and across all of our stores uh, in the U.S., but also uh, we're going to be capturing all this great content and pushing it back out through our digital vehicles. I love it. Two birds, many birds, many stones. <laughs> yes. um, so what happens? Somebody comes at what is sort of the experience. Somebody walks into a store, what happens? Yeah, so you walk into the store and you are going to be um, kind of seated in a very comfortable <laughs> corner of the store. Um, and basically, you're going to be exposed to four different pillars of wellness. Um, one is going to be about the mind and body. The second is going to be about finance and career. The third is going to be about self-care, which you know a lot of women <laughs> don't spend enough time <laughs> doing. And then the fourth is about community. And that includes sustainability and giving back as well. Which has been a huge sort of driver of, I think, your growth and sort of the marketing story as well, right? Absolutely. Yes. Sustainability is a really massive pillar of our brand. So I think this is an interesting topic because so much of kind of when we're talking about physical experiences and purchasing behavior and shopping has come down to this really interesting idea that stores aren't just places for conversion, right? To use marketing speak. it's There can be so much more than that. And you have seen sort of this trend now of these being community spaces, these being places where people can gather. Talk to us a little bit about sort of what the thinking behind this is, because wellness, obviously, super hot topic, fitness, super hot topic. And then we're talking about physical retail kind of entering almost what I think is the next generation of what physical retail really means, which is you don't just go there to go to the cash register and buy things because you can do that online. You have to give people more. You're absolutely right. I mean, we see this as the future of retail, honestly, and the future of the physical space is really creating a very unique um, three-dimensional community experience that actually connects our customers um, in something that they just don't usually have access to. So as you said, wellness is really hot, but there's lots of, you know, constantly innovative, interesting things popping up in wellness. What even is wellness? What even? Yeah. So it's really hard to, to curate sometimes 
is what is most important and what do I what's really actionable for me. So what we love about this is that she's able to walk in, experience the wellness collective and come away with really actionable takeaways that we hope will really help her in all four of these key areas. What else is sort of happening when it comes to kind of, we just mentioned the future of physical retail and sort of how you're thinking about what comes next as you're, as you keep growing, what are the big priorities? Yeah, I'd say, you know, in terms of the physical space, I think just um, exactly this. So more events and experiences that she can really participate in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our brand is a performance brand. So obviously the experience around it is really important. Um, but for us, it's also, you know, great partnerships. Well and Good's a great example. Um, but we partner with other companies and brands locally. So I think there's sort of the national but also local importance of just a lot of our stores have a lot of autonomy to partner with whatever is most relevant to that community of women and girls locally. Give me an example. Um, So an example would be, um, you know, doing, for example, in my local community in Marin County in California, um, our local store just did an incredible partnership with three teenagers from our high school that actually started their own nonprofit to um, really inspire girls to find their own voice and confidence. And they had a massively successful event at our stores with middle school girls and elementary school girls that actually really looked up to them and wanted to hear from them about what's empowering and how do you become an empowered girl. So our space is supposed to be this amazing platform for women and girls to have these conversations. As a marketer, how does that kind of work within the larger kind of marketing goals? Because look, you're beginning the beginning the year or whatever your whenever your year starts and you're saying, okay, I'm going to do all these things, make all these investments. How do you measure kind of the impact of, okay, we're going to create real investment in our communities, make our stores into community centers. How does that, what is kind of the end goal from a marketing perspective? Sure. I mean, for us, it's a highly integral part of our marketing mix. Um, we don't see it as sort of this like icing on the cake or yeah. add on. It's, it's something re- you're doing on the side. No, this is foundational to who we are and to how we want to interact our, with our customer and to provide value for her. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. something that's, you know, our, our brand's very purpose driven and the mission is all about being a community, igniting a community of women and girls who are active, healthy and confident um, and who unleash each other's potential. So um, for us, this is absolutely integral to what we do as part of our overall marketing. The end goal from a metrics perspective is definitely just deeper engagement with our customer um, and new customer acquisition. You know, we really think this brings in new customers to the brand who just discover us in a different way and get to participate with the brand in a much deeper way. Let's get into the weeds because I think a lot of people, again, are talking about doing everything from, yes, e-commerce is important. Obviously, e-commerce is important for you. Stores are more and more important. Physical manifestations of the brand are important. And then it comes to, okay, how do you match all of these things up? Because the same customer was walking to the store, might then go online and end up buying something, might come back, might come to an event. And you've got a plethora of customer data. You've got lots of different places to reach her. How do you start even matching something like this up? What is kind of the end goal that you were saying, okay, I know that I'm going to reach my customer in all these different places. I know that I have to measure this so I know it's working. And then I have to know what to actually do with it when it gets there. How do you start the organization of all of these different channels for let's just call them that? Yeah, I mean, we really look at it holistically. You know, we really look at the customer journey, both for our existing customer and our new customer. And we've 
pretty clearly mapped out what that journey looks like. And as you know, it's not linear anymore. You know, it is so, it's just so circuitous at this point. So for us, um, you know, and honestly, we've tried lots of multi-touch attribution models and nothing is perfect. So I think for us, it is an art and a science. And we certainly measure, have lots of customer goals that we measure in terms of total active customer file, new customer acquisition, retention goals. And so we look at it more at a, at a broader scale. And as long as we're hitting those very aggressive customer goals, then, um, you know, that's that's success for us. Um, and we certainly measure at a vehicle level what we see, um, but some of them are easier to measure than others. So a lot of the community efforts and these types of um, efforts, it's harder to pinpoint back to exactly that well, one thing. Well, you can't go back and say, this right? is an X percent, whatever this means. You can't put a dollar figure on it. And yet we know as retailers, especially, that these things are more and more important, which is why I'm, which is what I was trying to sort of say, because you've got these things you know in your gut as a marketer, right? And then you've got these things you know in your gut as also a customer, as an athlete, and so many different things. How do you sort of put your marketing hat on and say, okay, I know this is going to be worth it? Because some of it's going to mean making mistakes, maybe trying a few things, not knowing what's working. Yeah, I think the way I think about it is that we, we take smart risks, right? Like we know we double down on the things that we can measure extremely well and highly analytically. And then I think there is the art and science in marketing. Um, and so I think it's trusting yourself on where do you take the risks to explore some new things like doubling down on more experiential community type things, which I truly believe are the future. And so I think then we do see, um, you know, there are stores who do it extremely well, who've seen their traffic and sales and new customer acquisition really pop. So we do see sort of these best practice examples where you can start to see there are some trends. Um, and so we've started to see, you know, we've tested this over the last couple of years and we are seeing some really nice payoffs. Um, and so now it's just about smoothening that out across the fleet and, and really teaching that capability. You also mentioned kind of content because I think that's such a great, obviously not a side effect, but it really is sort of an effect. And then you can use that to amplify it. Talk to me a little bit about how your how you're taking all these different things that are happening and then amplifying that so it's not just about somebody who experiences it in the Flatiron store and also, you know, maybe somebody in California can then also experience it in their own way. Yeah, so this is, we're really excited about this part because obviously not everyone can go to the stores to experience it. So we are going to be capturing um, all of these events in both uh, video form um, as well as photography and as well as interview form. Um, and then we're going to push it back out through all of our vehicles. So we'll do some of these interviews in our catalog where we can tell more long form story. Um, and then we'll also you know, have some um, more animated content that will go live in social, on our site, on Well and Good site, um, and just really through our digital, digital media. So we're very excited about that because, again, it should be very short, um, actionable, um, you know, things that she can walk away with, but really be able to access from anywhere at any time. What is kind of your content marketing strategy? Because I feel like content marketing is such an interesting, interesting thing or part of marketing. It sort of gets a bad rap over the years. Like, oh, it's just going to be, you know, brands trying to be journalists, brand trying to be newsrooms. And I do think it's experiencing for some different reasons, I think, a little bit of a resurgence. I think there's a more interest in and more understanding of the real impact that great content can have on a brand, on its customers. What has overall been your take on content marketing? Yeah, I think um, our take on content marketing has really been about what do we think will inspire her the most? Again, goes back to the mission, right? How do we inspire her to be 
confident and healthy and super active. And so the number one thing we focused on is how do we tell really the stories of these inspiring model athlete muses that we feature that become these incredible role models for her. So we spent, we've been spending a lot of time really expanding, again, our long format and catalog interviewing, um, you know, some of our feature uh, model athletes who just have incredible stories. How of, do you find them? Um, you know, all different ways. Um, there are friends who, you know, introduce us to interesting women. Um, there are people we meet personally. Um, there are casting calls that we have. Um, there are friends of the model athletes we know today. Um, so it's been all different ways, um, which is really great. But we have this wonderful community now of of women that are, you know, part of the greater Athleta family, I would say, um, that we really draw on. And they all have, we never cast someone that does not embody the power of she and that, um, you know, strength and confidence and and inner and outer beauty, like that really, um, th- that are holistically really strong and powerful. I love this idea because you're you're almost turning into a media company, right? You've got, I mean, every, all, everything you're saying is very similar to what I can imagine, sort of a publisher that covers um, athletes, covers performance, covers sports, just covers fitness or even wellness could do on their own. And then you've got sort of brands and, you know, it's not just you. There's a lot of sort of brands in this space I find interesting because they're sort of, while they're obviously selling the clothes and selling all their product, they're also media companies in their own right. Was that, is that deliberate? Is that something you think of yourself as, as you're kind of thinking through content? Because that's fascinating to me as a journalist, because I'm saying, okay, but this is something a sports publisher would do. I mean, it feels like a high bar because it's, (laughs) you know, I think it's um, not easy. It's not easy. Um, So I think, um, you know, I wouldn't say we think of ourselves as a media publisher. Um, I think we think of ourselves as great storytellers. And how do we tell these, again, really emotional stories about the women and girls that we know and that are part of our family that really people walk away with? One example I have is this amazing um, model athlete that we have is Maggie, and she has diabetes. And we told her story about she's an incredible rock climber, an athlete, and we showed her diabetes patch. And we've gotten so many letters from little girls and their moms saying they have put that up in their rooms because they have diabetes, and now they feel like they could do anything, whereas before they really were questioning how much they might be able to do. So that's, I mean, tearing up just talking about it, but it really, that that's the stuff that really drives us. Um, so I'd say I think of it less as a as a media company and more just it. This is in our DNA, and that kind of inspirational storytelling is just really what what's sort of at the center of it and all. And so much of this is so topical right now, right? You're talking about everybody is talking about brands need a purpose because customers believe in brands that have something to say beyond buy these leggings or buy these shoes or buy whatever it is. How much of that? I do think that that's always been the case, but it does feel in the last couple of years that more and more people are talking about what is the purpose of this brand and whatever brand that is. As a marketer, you know, taking kind of Athleta out of it, what what is behind this drive or this need for customers really to say, I will trust brands more when they have something to stand for that maybe didn't really exist a few years ago. I think that this is a relatively newer phenomenon, but you've lived it since the day Athleta was born. Yeah, I think um, it's probably a lot about what's going on in the world overall, honestly. I think there's um, obviously a a very complex 
um, political, social environment out there right now. And I think a lot of people are have become quite cynical. And I think they are looking for businesses to be a force for good and to make the change both socially and environmentally that they are hoping for. Um, and I think I was just at Patel the last two days, super interesting conference. And we just had this conversation about purpose. And, um, and we were talking to a much younger generation at the conference. And um, he was really saying, he's like, we're highly skeptical. Everything we read is just, um, you know, we have such an incredible lens of skepticism to it. And so we are looking for brands that are truly have authentic purpose and it goes deep and it is consistent. It is not a one-time marketing ploy, but it's something that they truly believe from the inside out and we can ferret those out that don't do it well. <laughs> Which is so, scary you know, too, it's, right? Um, You're like, yes. You can't just make up, okay, we're going to do all these things, but then you kind of have to stick Stick to your word in some way, too. Exactly. And that's where I think for us, that's been authentic since day one, 20 years ago. And that's something I'm really proud of, is that since I've joined Athleta, we've just, we have stuck to our very deep purpose and the executions against that, you know, evolve as they should. Um, But at the root of it all, we've always been about being a pioneer for women and girls and, and being about empowering them. Talk to me about advertising, sort of, we sort of touch on marketing a little bit, but I think that there's a lot. I almost like to separate out advertising and creative from a lot of this now. Um, what is what is the overall kind of goal when it comes to, okay, we're going to advertise. Where do you choose to spend money? Where do you sort of choose to say this has been the most impactful advertising for us? How are you kind of, think of thinking of your creative strategy and your media strategy when it comes to, we need to tell people this is our purpose. And also, by the way, we need to sell our stuff. <laughs> Right. I mean, I think, um, I mean, as you said, it starts with great creative, you know, so I think for us, it always starts about what is this, the power of she twist on the story, anytime we talk about our ads. And for us, that means that yes, the product should absolutely be central, but it has to have that deeper, more thoughtful really inspiring twist that we always call the power of sheet twist um, in any of our campaigns. Um, and so once we've really concepted out a really inspiring, you know, what we think is a, is a breakthrough moment uh, creatively, then from a mixed perspective, you know, we spend a lot of our advertising dollars in digital at this point. So pre-roll on Hulu and YouTube and uh, paid and social. that's digital TV. Um, you're almost looking at that very heavily. Exactly. So we really spend a lot of effort and creative uh time and resources on video uh, and video storytelling, which is a capability we've really had to build the last couple of years. Have you done most of that internally? We've done uh, a lot of it internally, especially in the last year. Uh, we used to work more with a creative agency, but last year we decided to take it in-house. Um, and so that's been really exciting and really empowering for the teams. And it's an, it's just a capability to really continue to grow internally. What, what made you sort of say, we want to do more of this ourselves? You know, I think we realize that we're closest to the brand and we know and feel this mission more deeply than anyone. Um, And it's not that I don't highly value the external perspective an agency can bring. And we had a wonderful relationship with our agency. So there's there's nothing negative there. It wasn't a frustration. It wasn't a frustration. It was really more about um, empowering our internal teams. You know, I think the internal creative teams tend to feel when you have an agency that the the really creative work always goes (laughs) external. So empowering the teams internally, believing in them. They're highly capable and very talented. Um, But also just really feeling like we are so, we feel this in our blood and um, that we can tell these stories with, with, you know, such deep emotion that we really uh, felt like we could trust ourselves to do it. What was, was it difficult? (laughs) 
It was difficult. Because it's yes. also, you know, I, it's, I'm sort of obsessed with this, with this trend or whatever you want to call it of so many brands kind of coming to this realization in different ways that you're talking about saying, you know, our teams know our brands best or we have a real purpose driven brand and sort of the people we work with day in, day out really know as well. Um, but everyone's kind of at different points of that in how do we do it ourselves spectrum? Because it isn't, it isn't easy. It isn't easy to kind of learn a new skill or build a new capability in. How did you begin with doing that? And sort of tell me about how it's gone along the way and sort of what comes next for that. Yeah. So I think we started with um, some of the key players on our team who had already been working more closely with the agency. Um, and we really started to just have a bunch of rapid fire brainstorms, creative brainstorms, and just really tried to, I think the hardest part about it, it's not the talent question, although of course, you know, you, you need to kind of have the conversation too about do you have the right talent in-house um, to really have breakthrough campaign development. But a lot of it's just time, <laughs> just actually having the time to think really big and just not worry about the day-to-day uh, business uh, that's running, you know, constantly on the side um, so that you can really think out of the box. I think that's the hardest thing is just to kind of shield the team from that and have enough space to actually have Almost breakthrough. Almost building like a agency within the company. That's exactly right. And that's actually how we talked about it is how do we think of this as almost a mini agency within our own team? And so we started to carve out that kind of time and that kind of space for the small group of people to start with. And we had great success. I mean, we literally turned out our January contender campaign in a couple of weeks, so which used to take us, you know, months and months. It was fast, um, and that's because we dedicated that time. We played together. We had really interesting riffing off each other ideas. Um, came up with new ways to bring ideas. So each of us brought swipe and just some thoughts we had on our own, and then really had some great exercises of how we build on each other's ideas. Um, that I think resulted in some really really strong work. Um, that said, you know, I think we have more work to do. Uh, and one of the things I'm really focused on this year is how do we bring more external creative inspiration for the team? So even starting a speaker series of just really interesting, innovative, creative speakers. And it could be someone really unexpected, you know, whether it's a pottery maker um, and a photographer and um, an inter- interior designer. But just how do we fuel ourselves creatively so that ideas can come from anywhere? And that's so interesting because it's it's sort of balancing the yes, these people are part of the wider company and therefore they are probably know the brand really well, but at the same time, making sure they still have things coming in from the outside world. That's exactly right. And I think, again, that's about time and space and priority. Do you see yourself doing more yourselves? Do you sort of see, you know, potentially doing buying yourself, doing more media planning yourself? Where do you kind of see the the kind of capabilities of the team evolving beyond what they're doing right now? I'd say for now, we're really focused on the creative concepting piece around this. And, um, you know, that said, we work very closely hand in hand with the production teams. Uh, We have an in-house production team, but we also outsource when we do go to the actual shoots. Um, But it, um, you know, I I don't see us sort of trying to take on a lot more right now in terms of in-house. But for us, it's really focusing on, because again, I just think it all starts with breakthrough creative ideas. And so I think we have to stay 100% focused on just getting ourselves to think even bigger, even more breakthrough. Um, Again, so inspired coming off of Patel. Um, So many amazing ideas and, and things that are out there. So there's so much more we can reach for. I love hearing about this because I also do things sort of in this talk about platforms and 
media mix and metrics, all which, by the way, are important. It does feel a little bit like creative has become this like not dirty word, but it's almost just like, oh, yeah, creative. Right. We need to be really good at that, too. But it's this afterthought because everyone's so focused, rightly so, on is it working? Is it working? Is it working? And everyone's under all this pressure to make sure it's working. Um, I was talking to uh, a few agencies the other day. and They're like, you know what we love? We love when we have marketing heads at brands who are big creativity champions because creativity's kind of been lost. It's sort of gone off the rails a little bit. Do you feel that that overall as a marketing conversation in the industry, that in this talk of platforms, that that's what the missing piece has been? Um, to some degree, yes. I, I think you're absolutely right that I think we're very focused on metrics, multi-touch attribution. How do you tease all this stuff apart? Um, but I think, you know, all of those are mechanics, um, and I think they're super important, and obviously we need to be accountable for the dollars that we spend and where we spend them. But I do think none of that matters if you don't have this absolutely phenomenal creative idea um, and execution against that. And I think that's the hardest work, honestly, um, because, again, it just it takes time and space and really incredible talent and um, really incredible inspiration to actually have amazing output. So that's where Personally, I think a lot of focus needs to go. I, I agree with you. I don't know that I, th I see the kind of level of creative just across industries that, that we could probably all be pushing. Mm -hmm. um, so I certainly, um, you know, I'm going to hold a high bar for ourselves <laughs> and for myself and our team. Um, and it's fun. I mean, that's, that's a lot of the fun work. Um, so obviously, Art has outlined so many big plans for Athleta, um, Shining Star, big growth numbers, uh, lots of kind of lots of huge figures out there, then a lot of great news when it comes to sort of how the brand has been growing quarterly within the, within the larger company. How does how does kind of marketing a brand within sort of a family of brands, all of which are kind of iconic and recognizable brands in their own right, change how you think of the company yourself? Does it do you sort of talk to each other? Do you kind of see it as its as its own little thing within Gap Inc? Or or is there a different kind of mix when you're part of this bigger company? I, I think it's a bit of both, honestly. I mean, I think we're still quite autonomous in some ways. You know, we certainly have our own brand positioning and our own uh, brand ethos. And, and that's important and because that's, it has to be different. Yes, and that's super important. Um, and so we're very clear on who we are and, and where we need to take that. Um, and we've talked a lot about that now. Um, but I do think we also are part of this amazing portfolio. And so there is a lot of sharing. I have monthly calls with the CMOs across the brands. Um, and it's great, you you know, there's just some wonderful best practice sharing of what we're all learning, especially in things like B Corp, sustainability, you know, really the places where we're pushing a lot uh, for our brand. And so it's great to be able to share that across the portfolio and, and also just share with each other. Uh, let's talk about sustainability, actually, because obviously that's been for athletics history kind of a big part of it. But I think that there's been more of a push across the industry for where am I buying my things from? And it kind of comes back to this brands with purpose idea. Obviously, you're sort of you have kind of sustainability interwoven within the product itself. So let's leave the product aside. When you talk about marketing, is it how do you think about even taking that message, which you already know is in the product and say, I have to make sure now everybody knows about this? What are the different ways you found have worked when it comes to this? Because I do think it's one of those things where everyone is sustainable, everything's organic and people start ferreting out when it's actually real and when it's not. 
Yeah, so I, I'd say we're on a learning journey about sustainability, um, you know, but we're we're really proud of the progress that we've made. So, um, you know, I think you know this, but last year we became a B Corp. Um, and so that's that was a really high bar to meet, uh, to be to have that kind of transparency in our social and environmental practices. And we're very proud of that. So we've been really spending a lot of time trying to storytell around what does that mean and putting people and planet up there with profit and trying to explain that to customers. What's to make an example sure. of how you've done that? Um, so in our catalog, we try to, on every back cover of the catalog, we try to have a B Corp or sustainability message because that's an area that she really engages with. Um, we've placed it very prominently on our site, on our homepage. We have a whole values page dedicated to sort of the click downs on that, uh, the things we do for the planet as well as on the people side, uh, which are both very important to us. Um, so we really look at it vehicle by vehicle, but we have now made it a... Um, through line that has to be consistent. It's not something that sort of gets turned on and then turned off throughout the year. Um, it's just a key business filter for how we use our business as a force for good. Got it. Uh, last few questions. We can do this quickly. What is the hardest part of your job? The hardest part is um, just continuing to make sure all of the people on the team are really inspired and feel really engaged every day. Um, you know, I, I care deeply about my team and um, how they feel every day really matters to me and that they do feel creatively inspired. So I think when we have, you know, a very high growth brand uh, with a lot of priorities, it's it's hard to make sure that, that they also have that space that we talked about um, to really be able to fuel themselves. So I you know that that's a that's always on my mind. It's just making sure that they feel like they have a good balance. What is the hardest part about being a retailer right now? I think um, it goes back to the offline space. Like what what is the how do you create this really differentiated experience within the stores um, that goes far beyond selling your product? Um, so I think we're well on our way. Um, but I do think, you know, this re this landscape is going to continue to evolve. So I think just being fast and nimble and not hanging on to old paradigms um, and being really uh, modern and, uh, you know, just, again, having these breakthrough ideas um, that really set you apart. I think that's that's the biggest challenge right now. What's a place you spend, whether little or a lot, of your marketing dollars that would surprise people? I would say... Um Probably, again, sort of this community effort, um, you know, and I think the Wellness Collective, good example of that. I, you know, I don't know that people would realize um, that we're spending a, a good significant amount right. on that. That's an investment. Um, you yeah, that's an investment. Throw, throw something into a store and exactly, make Exactly, because we really believe in it. Um, and what's the most fun part of your job? The people. It goes back to that. I have an they're amazing and team. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, super talented team, and they keep me fueled. And um, they're incredible, brilliant, creative minds. So it's really fun to play together. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on Making Marketing. Thank you for having me. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is, of course, Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Leave us a review and a rating, hopefully five stars, on iTunes, like Christian Banak did. He says, making marketing is a must-listen for marketers. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Shireen does a fantastic job in building relationships with guests, which leads to an open and insightful conversation. Thank you so much, Christian, for those kind words, and thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.